Hi, welcome to the OYS podcast. Thanks for coming back. We've got another great guest on today. Let's just jump straight in. Let's hear what it's all about. So, hi, welcome to the OYS podcast, where we're talking all things leadership today. I'm really excited for our guest who has worked at Virgin Atlantic, Legal General, Brim, if you don't know who they are, they sponsored Real Madrid for a number of years, and is also now turned into a really top leadership coach. So today, if we can get a round of applause for for Julie Robinson. How are you, Julie? I'm very well, thank you, Jack. Really excited to be here talking with you today. I know, it's fantastic. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Thank you. You too. Did you have a good Christmas? A quiet one, but uh, sometimes that's what you need, isn't it? To recharge the batteries. I know, I know. I, I would like to say I had a, a quiet one New Year's Day. I was actually in London, so it wasn't it wasn't entirely that quiet on that day. Um, and that flight on the way down, that was, that was an experience in itself, I tell you. But Happy New Year. It's uh, great to have you on the podcast. Obviously, we've spoken a number of times previously about leadership, so I'm sure this will be no different. Um, and we'll try and not get through all the, the rabbit holes that I tend to just ramble on about. But just obviously to, to begin with, to give everyone an, an idea, with have said, you know, you worked at Virgin Atlantic when, you know, really in its prime of, of getting um, that strategy, which, which you were involved in to, to get, as much business mm. through the doors, then obviously legal in general, Brim, and then obviously turn, turn leadership coach. And I know you, you, after speaking to you last time, I know you're, you're still dabbling your hands in the business world with your, your husband's business, I believe. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, although mostly still sort of people, strategy, talent development, that side of it. Yeah. 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 So, Tell me a little bit, because I know Virgin, obviously, we, you say Virgin, we all know what we're thinking, mm-hmm. right? We're thinking of Richard Branson yeah. and his big planes and his islands, enjoying life. How is, how is that? What, like, because Richard Branson gets, he's gets a really, really good rep um, for it. I've been told to read his book a number of times, and I really want to do it. And you hear him speak, and he comes across really well, really about people. Mm. And mm. You, you can sort of just see how he is a one of the top leaders in the world and how he's or why he's made it you know he's got that many businesses yeah. um I don't did, didn't he have virgin phones as well I think or oh or... yes numerous numerous virgin um energy um you know phones gyms pure water now all, all sorts of things globally coca-cola even at one time oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that, that was when... That was with the tank, wasn't it? When he went into New York Times Square and crushed all yes, the, the the Coca Cola cans. But um, yeah, how how was that? How how did you enjoy? Or or what, tell me a little bit about your time when you were working at Virgin. Oh, I loved it. Um, I just happened to be in the right place at the the right time. My uh, family moved from Hampshire to Sussex, and my father said to me, "Julie, why don't you you know." see if you can get a job at the airport because I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't want to stay behind on my own so I just Mm. happened to be working at the airport when Richard started setting up um, the airline so I I literally joined them as a startup business and um, I don't know I guess I'm a bit of an entrepreneur myself or it was the right kind of environment for me I am the type of person that rolls my sleeves up gets on with things if I have to and you'll know Jack in an, yeah. in a startup business in an entrepreneurial business that's what it's it's about you don't always have systems and processes and lots of resources um, yeah. but it was really exciting because we were able to grow the business by word of mouth and you know reputation most of the time and because Richard you'll remember that you mentioned the um, event in in Times Square was really good with the press and getting uh, the most from that type of opportunity and speaking and, and talking passionately about his vision for air travel at the time which was very different from what existed 
Um, the, the values were really clear right at the beginning. It was about having fun. It was about being innovative. It was very uh, customer focused. You know, what, what do you yeah. want when you're traveling on a long business journey? Um, and I, I think I was a natural fit there. So I was very fortunate to be promoted five times. Um, and I always worked in customer services and, and operations. And there's a bit of a story to that. Um, I tried to move across to learning and development. And every time yeah. I was, because I'm also passionate about developing people, but each time I was um, offered a role in learning and development, uh, Richard or someone would come to me and say, oh, Julie, but we'd really like you to do this job. And it was a bigger promotion. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't, you, it's not a bad way to, or a bad position to be in, Julie. Let's be fair. That's not too bad. Richard, come and say to you, Julie, no, no. I've got a better job for you, Julie. Yeah, and I think I was able to grow because there were so many opportunities there. As the business, I literally grew with the business, um, Jack, and I volunteered for opportunities to try something new, to learn. Yeah. Uh, you know, so eventually, the, the last four years uh, of my 20 years at Virgin Atlantic, I was the customer services director. And I was a non-executive on a subsidiary uh, business that um, Virgin owned mm. with um, the go-ahead group so great opportunities for learning how, how obviously going back uh, j just a little bit mm -hmm. one thing that you said which I think is, is really true in, in any business that I've worked in and probably how it's virgin of, of being so successful over the years is said fun about enjoying yourself that are obviously benchmarks to you know because if people are unhappy in the role you're never really mm -hmm. going to be, you know, like you said, you, you roll your sleeves up and in a sort of startup, you have to because you've not got any option otherwise to. Mm -hmm. Do you think, obviously, you know, your, your, your peers that were maybe obviously came through the ranks with you and went mm -hmm. on to other opportunities, do you think that environment that of fun and join yourself, did you take that into other roles, obviously, once you left Virgin into, you know, like... Brim and legal in general and so on? Yeah, I think um, one of the things for me is people are more creative, they're more productive. If they're having some, they learn more, as we know, as learning professionals, you learn more when you're having fun. You know, even from a, a child, that, yeah. that's how we retain more when we're learning. But it's also about energy, it's about we used to have lots of parties at Virgin Atlantic. Um, yeah. We were constantly <laughs> celebrating success. And when I say a party, it could be anything as big as a three-day event at Richard's home in Oxford, um, you know, where we would deliberately roster our stuff, because you can imagine it's 24-7 um, operation. Yeah. So make sure that all our cabin crew, people that worked in the... Um, engineering hangars or in the cargo warehouses had an opportunity to come to that party on one day and that would usually be big events like a um, company birthday or just an annual event but we also had other little celebrations when we finished a project or launched a new mm -hmm. service um, and the inaugural parties were awesome um, yeah. you know I was very privileged to be able to go to Tokyo on the inaugural flight with all the press and the entertainers and attend the inaugural party. And uh, and it does create that team, you know, the barriers are broken down. We're getting to know each other. We're having some fun with each other and it gives us energy. We are a successful team. We're a successful business. So yes, I did try and take it into other roles but also when I'm consulting or when I'm coaching that's that's something I and when I'm asked to speak at conferences that was always something I I spoke about at conferences when I was asked to talk about leadership and culture at Virgin yeah because I guess you've got that purpose as of you know as a team you've got that collective purpose of right we're smashing this goal onto the next one let's keep you know churning it out it must have just been a, it would have been a fantastic experience especially at that time how, how was how is Richard in a, in, in a sort of 60 second nutshell if you can I know that's difficult he was great um 
he was a great listener, he was good fun. I mean, I'll give you an example. The first time I met Richard, I was working at Gatwick Airport. I had just departed a flight, I, so I was in my uniform at that time. I was walking back with my colleague, Jane, and all of a sudden somebody ran up and threw his arms around Jane and I from the back, you know, around our shoulders. And of course we knew it was Richard because he was always on TV. So, and that was his way of greeting two of his employees. Obviously he recognized we were employees from our uniform. The first time he met her, met us, you know, hello girls, how's it going today? How are the customers? How are you doing? Yeah. Um, and that was the person he was always really interested in both what the customers were experiencing and what the staff were experiencing. Yeah, I think it's that if your staff are happy, your your customers your customers are going to be happy, and everyone says it. And I think a lot of businesses say it without really delivering on it because just because you give someone twenty eight days annual leave doesn't mean that they're happy. I think that you know that interaction with you would have probably like and well it has it's lasted with you for years after that you've left. So I think the yeah. type of touches from a leadership point of view are so crucial to get to know you a bit more yeah. and on that level where you know you're speaking to to you the exact same you speak to the janitor and and that type of sort of terminology which i think is is great I, that that's how i sort of lead is yeah and i'm not comparing myself to Richard. Many, yeah i wonder how many people have had that kind of experience the first time meeting a ceo or a chairman you know i, I would say very limited Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you immediately feel that you can talk to him. You can tell him things, and that he'll listen. Yeah. And and how many? How many was so? Obviously, for the last four years, how many was in mm. your team towards the, the end? Five thousand. Five thousand people. Yeah. So I three thousand two hundred. I think were cabin crew or in-flight beauticians. I think I had about fifteen hundred in the airports. So I managed twenty-six airport operations. I had a training team with 100 people. I had in-flight services, which is catering, all the purchasing, cleaning. Um, and then I had a customer services team, which was a relatively small team, I think about 35. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was 5,000 people in, in total globally. How did yeah. you get through the one-to-ones every week, Julie? That must have been non-stop. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I only had five general managers reporting directly to me, and I did do one-to-ones every week, which with them and we also had a team meeting I think yeah. weekly or uh, bi-weekly um, and then they managed their teams their divisions yeah. their managers um, I probably had uh, some of my other senior managers so Heathrow was our hub um, big operation for us our biggest operation so um, one of the guys Ian or somebody that was managing there he'd often you know have a lot of contact with him but I'd also be out and about a lot um, at the airport and you know that was one thing I learned from Richard is that he stayed in touch with people so when he traveled for example he, I would always get phone calls or a fax you know at the beginning all right was a fax. Yeah. Um, and it's and it could be something like um, so Julie when I was traveling through Gatwick or Heathrow um, I was talking to the staff about their new uniform and the shoes we've given them aren't the most comfortable. Or, you know, I was traveling back from Newark and we've moved the ticket desk and the customers are telling me it's not in the best position. Or, Julie, I've traveled out to Washington and um, I'm a bit concerned about the catering on that flight. So, it, or even I was talking to the taxi driver and you know and he literally would walk through the airport and talk to people that were queuing at the desk he'd get on board the flight he'd talk to customers he'd talk to staff and so I learned from that so when I traveled that's exactly what I did I think I might have done it naturally but seeing somebody like that doing it is, yeah. is encouraging you know before they were locking the um the doors on the flight deck I'd pop in and see the flight deck as well um, and it's about understanding what's going on in your business and how people are feeling how your customers are feeling what they're experiencing and how your staff are feeling and what they're experiencing yeah it's, it's a like you say that could it might have been natural but that sort of that that, or that type of leadership breeds 
obviously into you and then that probably was a bred into your team as well and that like mm-hmm. everyone like you would say earlier that celebrating the, the small wins because if you can get like we've all been on flights that are disasters let's be be quite frank but when you go on a good flight and you get off and go that was actually a really good flight you like your automatic reaction is to fly with them again you know and absolutely word of mouth like you said you know I worked in travel for a couple of years at the very early at the very very beginning of my career and if someone you if someone was adamant on flying let it, for this purpose let's say virgin they were not budging even if it was costing them less they, they wouldn't budge because it, you've already got that subconscious that well that flight was excellent so this flight's going to be the exact same and hopefully mm. that's the case but I think word of mouth and that whole collective approach will will breed success absolutely yeah absolutely you never know I might I might might, might meet Richard one day you never know it would be a great great opportunity just at 10 minutes just to ask him questions because obviously he's competing at the moment isn't he with Elon Musk I don't know who's yeah. going to be I don't, I don't know who's going to be first but um he's adamant that he wants to be, be Elon but yeah. I think I think it will just be a, a matter of time before he gets into something else another industry yeah. and he'll, he'll smash that as well but yeah it's how, quite a competitive nature <laughs> but you, you need that in business don't you you know what I mean yeah it's only way or not the only way but it's what one of the sort of key traits that you need to be successful but obviously moving then from virgin to mm-hmm. um legal in general mm. how, how was that transition because obviously very different very very different businesses um, yeah diametrically opposed culturally i would say um so i had a, a really good experience uh, just before i left virgin sadly on the back of a really sad experience so 9-11 and we know impacted aviation hugely Um, and we decided to to run a development program for uh, we downsized the business to about seven and a half thousand people and I was very fortunate the board asked me to run a development program and I put 7,000 people through this program for, um, over a, month, a period of seven months. And at that time, as much as I loved being with Virgin, I decided that um, I wanted to, to do something else, which was around learning and development. I'd also introduced coaching. I was the first director at Virgin to introduce coaching um, at my Heathrow operation. And so for, people that, so for people that don't understand coaching, what, what do you mean by, mm. by coaching? Because I think at times people or my, mm. my experience is people can get confused by performance reviews and coaching. So what, what would you okay. sort of, what would you say is, is coaching? So coaching is when you are um, supporting somebody's development and um, there is a shared responsibility for that development between the coach and the coachee, as we call them, or yep. the person learning. And um you are raising awareness and coaching isn't used for technical training. So obviously we would have technical trainers to uh, train people how to use computers or how to do um, load sheets for aircraft, you know, weight yeah. and balance. This is about helping people to um, overcome limiting beliefs, um, uh, helping them develop their confidence, um, their communication styles, their relationships with others. Very often it's a lot about softer skills. Oh, skills yeah. um, and um, so it's not about giving people the answers. It's about helping them learn either through questioning or, or other exercises. And I after we introduced this with the managers at Heathrow, I was invited to go to a presentation and I thought it was going to be the managers presenting to me on how they had experienced the introduction of coaching, but there was staff there as well. And I remember this um, young lady, because you remember things that create emotion in you, telling me how she had missed a training program And she had lost her confidence in going down to the gate as people are boarding and um, operating the computer system to 
um, board, board the passengers. Work out how many passengers had actually boarded and how many bags they were on board, which is all really important information for weight and balance and safety of the aircraft. And uh, she'd missed this. And so if she was ever asked to go and do that part of the responsibility, she would find a reason not to. And yeah. I think there was this perception that she was being lazy because Heathrow is a huge airport and you know, you know yourself, if you ever travel from Heathrow, it's a long walk to some of those gates, but she wasn't. And she just didn't want to say, I can't do this. You know, I missed the training and somebody's gone through it with me, but I'm so nervous about it. And so when she presented this to me and she was absolutely glowing, she was smiling and she said, I really feel confident now. And she'd had some other experiences with coaching. I, I decided that's it. I've got, I've got to leave Virgin. I've got to move on to doing something that I've always wanted to do. And that's to help other people learn and develop. So I deliberately chose a financial services company to move on to because it's such a big industry in the UK. And I'd spent yeah. at this time about 24 years in, in aviation and, um, and I wanted to experience a different sector and a different culture. And it was a very different culture. Um, and I think one of the learnings I take from that is the transition, not just between leadership levels, but to different environments. Um, and of course, since I've, I've been in my current role for 13 years, where I am just developing um, leadership programs or coaching programs and I do lots of research to stay up to, to date since that time I've found the research and the evidence which says it's not just our skills and experience that makes us successful it's not just our personality but it's a combination of those things and the environment that we're in because I suspect that most people have had an experience of where they perform really really well in one environment and then they move to another and it's not working as well. Even really senior successful people. Um, and you can help yourself or a coach can help you or uh, you know, somebody can help you prepare for that transition um, so that you can have a degree of success. But at the end of the day, the environment you're in, the culture that you're in really has an impact on us. Yeah, well, you, you probably see that. Or how, when you said that, and I've been in that myself, where you're flying on one, one role mm. and you move into a new department or a new business and something's just not right you, and you don't know what it is, mm. you can't, you, it just doesn't click, but you see it, you know, for simple terms, football, football players that move who are having a fantastic career at, at their mm. current club mm -hmm. and then move to a new club and everyone yeah. wonders why they're maybe not hitting the same mark. And a lot yeah. of it is, is like what you said. Yeah, it could be the player, it could be the coach, it could be the manager. As I say, it happens at many different levels. I mean, I was, I was a perfect fit for Virgin. I'm quite entrepreneurial. I like to work very quickly. I'm very customer focused. I'm very people focused. Um, and it was just a completely different environment. I, you know, and I don't want to say anything negative about legal in general, but it just wasn't the right fit for me at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so, and and then obviously you you went on to uh, Brim. I can see it there for the Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how was that? Because obviously I only know them purely, and I'll be totally honest. Due to Real Madrid, like what I said earlier on, just because they sponsored the trip, that. <laughs> that, that is the only reason I knew about them. But they're financial, aren't they, as well? They are an online gaming company. So I was headhunted um, because they had just floated and they were only 10-year-old business and they have been extremely successful. Um, I had to move to Gibraltar. The role was based in, in Gibraltar. And they wanted um, somebody with my experience. And actually they were also looking for a female, I think, because it was a very male dominated right. um, business yeah. at the time. It, despite the fact that one of the founders was a female, there, were, there weren't many 
uh, female senior managers, let alone directors. And for me, it was another tick in the box because it is um, an online business. Um, so their interactions with customers were all, um, you know, via chat or, or telephone. It wasn't face to face like I'd experienced at um, Virgin. And it wasn't just telephone like I'd ex experienced at Legal and General. Um, it was a bit of a blend another... then. Mm, bit of a blend yeah. of the two. Exactly. Um, and very um, technology based business, obviously, because all the games were played, most of the games were played online. Um, they did have uh, poker tournaments, which they uh, sponsored um, uh, occasionally, but the majority of their customers were playing online. So it was a, a different environment again, culturally different again, um, very macho environment. Um, any particular any particular reason why do you think it's a hard um, question I know well of course we know that cultures are created by leaders um, yep. you know if we read all the research on, on cultures um, and as I say there weren't many females in there um, I think the majority of the people actually played poker. They were in an industry where they had an interest. I mean, a bit like me at Virgin Atlantic, you know, I've, I've traveled hugely. I'm really interested in different cultures. And I don't know if it was kind of a competitive thing um, or whether it was just because all of the senior people were male. Um, Two of the founders were Indian, two of the founders were North American. Um, so I don't know if that yeah. had an impact. It's really, yeah. Could be a combination uh, of like, like, like you said, it could be that competitiveness and macho-ness, different yeah. like culturally. Obviously, if you've yeah. got two people from India and two people from North America, yeah. both had very different upbringings, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, values, um, I didn't ask them what their values were, but it's people's values, people's beliefs, people's experiences, people's perceptions, all these things drive behaviour, doesn't it? And it's the behaviour of the leaders, what they focus on, what they say, um, what they say they're going to do, even if they don't do it, all the all these things um, that, that, signal to other people in the organization about what's important um yeah i think that that you know i said to you before we started i'm speaking with candy next week on our podcast and that right there about what you said about what leaders say and what they do so it's that sort of if, if we're talking from a coaching sense and a development sense there's like you said there's actions in that from the coach to the coachee there's normally you know an, a smart action or something along those lines of you know time frames accountability of that do you think this is going to be achievable in the x amount of time and mm. you see that quite a bit i feel that a lot of senior leaders and we, we see, we're seeing it right now in politics boris you know uh, every politician they just stand waffle but don't actually deliver on, on what mm. you're saying and that I think from a cultural piece mm. where you want the celebrations you want that purpose you want to feel like you're you're doing something and achieving something mm. if they're not it makes you mm. double it makes you think twice and maybe that's yeah. that maybe comes into the, what you said earlier on about the environment and how mm. maybe you, you you're smashing it at one role and then mm. you come into an environment where things just aren't getting they're, they're getting said but there's no action you know from from that yeah. point and i think well, i think that, you've hit the nail on the head there um jack or they're saying we'll do it but it's going to take us 18 months to do it yeah and if the customer is not having a very good experience for the next 18 months yeah that doesn't work for me you know you can't take 18 months to fix this problem for the customer so this is why 
when we have values, if we go into an organization where the culture has different values or the organization has different values, it's it can be difficult for people to be their best in that and to be successful in that environment. Yeah, yeah, because I, I sort of align with you on just getting things. I just want things done. I want want to come in, get it done. I want to see the progress. You know, initially, I'm very impatient, which, you know, when you say that isn't the greatest leadership qualities, but it's that sort of spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit of I want to see a dent here. I want to make people see, or you need to see the progress. I think when you're being entrepreneurial as well, you like, physically, you need to see it happen to make you feel like this is ticking along yeah but jack a good leader will know what things should be urgent um and therefore you know being a bit impatient is not uh, a bad thing you 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 create that burning platform that cotter talks about to drive change this is really important and this is what we're going to focus on um, and there are other things where, yes, that might need a little bit more thought given to them or a little bit more planning. Um, it depends where the business is and what's happening. And, and let's face it, the change that we are seeing constantly, leaders have, I believe, to be able to react in a timely manner to certain things. And I've had experiences where, to me, keeping customers because we know it costs so much money to find a new customer and researchers told us, you know, how, how much more, you know, from the initial findings where it was five times as much, they've now discovered that in different industries, it can be significantly higher than five times more um, to find a new customer. You've got to keep those customers. You've got to protect your reputation, your brand. Um, so, you know, to take 18 months to fix something which, quite frankly, is annoying the customers or worrying the customers, why yeah. would you take 18 months to do that? <laughs> but I, I think it, it, it comes down to probably numerous facts, but how I look at it, because I agree completely, it's so, so hard, and you see all the research is, and, you know, I've been in that boat, currently in that boat, sort of at the moment where you're, you're trying to get new sort of acquisitions if you want to put it into a cpa and all this type of thing it's so mm. expensive the amount of time just time alone you know to mm. get your market and i don't think companies look at and, and we discussed something before we we started this about a, a customer situation and, and what i want to do with it because they're an asset and i think mm. people or certain individuals and businesses at certain times forget that the customer is the asset they're the one that is in theory paying your paying your wage and i know it's not directly but in the grand scheme of things if they all walk away tomorrow everyone in that room's not got a job and i think that's where you need to really hone in on the customer experience customer journey you know really mm. making sure that you you do your best and you're never you're not always going to get it right but but you want to try and get it right 95 percent of the time you're always going to have five percent where there's going to be tech issues or sickness or whatever that may be but you need to be getting it right i would say majority mm. of the time but, absolutely but that, yeah, yeah. That, really interesting your, your career journey overall very <laughs> very you know different situations different companies you know to go from virgin to legal in general then obviously to online gaming, three very different yeah. sectors and, and three very different cultures, 100%. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's a brilliant learning. Um, but, you know, this is, for me, Jack, you know, when you called your business Own Your Success, that just so resonated with me because it's, are you creating opportunities to learn? Are you looking for these different sectors to work in these different roles or volunteering to be involved in a project where you're developing yourself uh, using that um, as an opportunity to learn and grow. And, and I think for me, that's what the best leaders do. You know, they yeah. don't just stand still, they, they have a growth mindset. 
Yeah, and I and I consider myself very fortunate that I've had the opportunities over the years to do that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. I'm glad to get you on board, Julie, hundred percent for that. But we'll discuss that a little bit later. We'll um, jump on to our next question in, in, a, in a quick second. Now to find out more, Julie's doing her manager to leader workshop for the UK that's taking place in February next month 2022 we also have the senior leadership workshop as well for the UK that's been facilitated by Candy who will have on very very shortly also for the Australian market we have the manager to leader workshop and the senior leadership workshop as well all this information the discount brochures everything can be found on the website at ownyoursuccess.co.uk reach out if you want to have a conversation let's have a conversation with me someone in the team we can do that for you not an issue at all so let's jump back let's hear what else julie has to say wonder if richard branson will be named again let's have a look wonder if he's going to listen let's have a look and see let's see what happens So we, we just took a, a quick, a, little, a brief intermission there. Um, but Julie, I want to ask you a, a couple of different questions. Now, some of it we, we've, we've covered slightly already, but for you over the years, obviously, you know, leadership coach, so, you know, working with different organisations, you get different insights into different sectors and how, you know, getting a, a different perspective on leadership, I would say. Over the years, what, what would you say has been the best leadership that you've seen, you know, from maybe either a peer or, or your direct manager or one of your clients potentially that you've seen and went, well, that's, uh, you, you're a fantastic leader. Is there any that sort of stand out? Yeah, I, I think there's probably three or four maybe. Um, obviously, Richard Branson, um, great listener, always looking for ideas and a and opinions. Um, some of the things that we introduced at the airline were ideas from either customers or um, staff. Um, yeah. Even the idea for putting in-flight beauticians on uh, aircraft so people could have a massage um, came from his wife's masseur. <laughs> um, and then there was a, um, a guy called Joel Leonoff at uh, B-Win, um, very calm, considered. Um, these are people that have conversations with you, that check in with you, that involve others, very open and honest. Um, and in fact, I know he's won um, awards. Uh, he's, he's been voted a, a very good leader as well. He's a Canadian um, chap. Um, I think Steve Ridgway, the CEO at Virgin, who I reported to directly, um, was a great mentor. Um, I think he recognized and used people's strengths, mm. uh, you yeah. know, which I think is a great trait. I think we should develop our strengths. Um, and I think all three of them kind of took time to get you to, to understand you um, and to know you. Um, Sometimes that had a, a little bit of a downside. So my husband met Steve Ridgway on a train one day going into London <laughs> um, and uh, Steve had actually come to our wedding. So they knew each other. And, and Steve said to him, Julie has this way of getting people to do things without them even realizing she's doing it. Oh. Not always what you want your boss to say to your husband, but you know, they, they really did um, get you. Um, and, and of course, uh, Steve Ridgway was the one, and it might have been in conjunction with Richard, I don't know if he spoke to other people on the board, that gave me opportunities. Um, so for example, when I became the non-executive director at um, Plain Handling, that was um, a development opportunity for me. And yeah. that's how Steve put it to me, you know, apart from the fact that we'd like you to be on this board, Julie, it's, it's a great learning opportunity for you as well. Because being on a board, I would say, is, is very different. I, I've, I've never had that experience myself. You never know in the future. But what what's, I would say stakeholder engagement would be crucial because mm. uh, you, you're, they are the stakeholders, I guess, that are influencing decisions that our management are pushing up. So what, Exactly, yeah. How, how is that? Um, 
Well, it was it was a little bit challenging for me at first to be truthful, Jack, because I wasn't in the business. You know, I was attending board meetings. Um, obviously, you are ensuring that there are growth opportunities for the business. There are um, there's financial control, there's compliance, etc., which is not necessarily um, the things that. Um, you really light my fire, but um, it was a great opportunity because the managing director obviously worked for plane handling. There were other, there was another director from Virgin. There were a couple of other directors from uh, the other organisation, Go Ahead and Gatwick Handling, that um, were the fifty percent owners with Virgin. So it was a great opportunity to to work with um, people that had different experiences from different industries. Um, and we, it was a cargo organization. So one, I think the other reason that they wanted me to be involved is they wanted to break into the passenger handling side. So I was able to share my experiences and be a, 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 a you know, a bit of an advisor and a mentor to the board as well mm. at that time. So it is, it is a different role. It's not as, at that time in that role, it wasn't as hands-on as, um, you know, being a director of your own division. Yeah. Yeah. And what then on the back, I mean, we sort of delve back. So obviously, like you say, the best leadership you've seen, I think a lot of them have got a few of the same traits, which we'll, we'll get onto. Mm. Mm. I, don't, I, I hate saying worst because we can all have bad days, but what has maybe been, an, an area of leadership where you've seen someone maybe not portray the best leadership at that point in time in that moment or you, you don't yeah. have to name that you don't have to name names by the way we don't want to single anyone out but I, I gather no. what what would you say would, would have been I, the areas I, for I, development for them I, th I think it's the opposite to the traits that people like Richard, Joel and Steve had. Um, the worst for me is when leaders don't listen. And, and I've not only had bosses that do this, but I've experienced it in organisations where they interrupt you before you've even finished your sentence. And, and it's like, nope, I'm not listening to that. You know, it's, it's my decision. It's my way or the highway. And, you know, if there's one thing I learned um, from Richard particularly is there are opportunities, there are ideas, there are different perspectives from different people. Um, so be open-minded about that. Don't think because you are the leader that you have all the answers and your way is the best way. And it's completely demotivating for people. And of course, the other thing is, People don't want to offer their opinion anymore. People don't want to share the feedback mm. that they've just had from the customer. Um, and I've even seen people that own their own businesses or you know, own a, or are, are significant shareholders doing this. Um, they are just closing down so much valuable information um, and opportunities. And then I think it's also leaders that are focused on the task. Um, that give no consideration to the human element. Um, yep. And that is so challenging if you want to create an engaged, motivated team. And it's even more challenging if you're trying to drive significant change and you are doing nothing or don't care about how people are feeling about what's happening or what's changing or their motivations or um, you don't... And, and the other occasion when that is bad is when somebody's not performing very well. Do you really understand why they're not performing very well? Or are you just going to assume that they're lazy or they don't know what they're doing? Because there are different things that drive um, people's behaviours. You, you know, as we know from the iceberg analogy, all those limiting beliefs, their values, their fears, um, those limiting beliefs are driving their behaviour. So there might not, it might be something that can be resolved with a mm. simple conversation, with a simple check-in with a human being. Yeah. Um, so, I I, and I think also things that people, that leaders do that create the worst cultures, you know, in one organisation, it was 
well, you know, in customer services, we're not going to tell the salespeople that we've done this wrong because we don't do our dirty laundry in public. And that was the language that was used. And to me, that is not in public. You know, this is our team. It doesn't matter if we're customer services and you ourselves. We are one, you know, team in this organization. Um, There's always been a divide somehow with, with customer service and sales. Every business I've been in, there's always there, there's always a there, there seems to always be a divide. But Wait, what 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 you said? Sorry. No, no. I just you know I think it just affects every part of the business. If you are, if if we have a, a problem operationally in customer services and we're not telling ourselves people the next time the salespeople make contact with their customer perhaps to sell an upgrade or another product or whatever and they get bombarded with oh but you know it's not even working yeah. now and I've tried to sort this out with your customer service people and you people really don't care why would I buy something else from you or why yeah. would I upgrade my product or service yeah. it's apart from being really unfair on sales it's unfair on the business <laughs> you know yeah. it's just you, they they should be aligned, and, yeah, and, exactly. and and a lot of the time, because, because if you put customer service and sales, they're they're not that different really in the grand scheme of things. They're not the the idea is to keep the customer happy, to mm. make sure that you retain them as a customer, mm. on and a lot of customer outreach roles, and the sales is to get the customer, keep them happy, and make sure that. That, that you've got them for a s sustainable amount of time yeah. because yeah. What, what you said there about assuming when we get back to like what, what you said about is it how, what, what, what is happening in that person's life and I've said mm. this numerous times where I, I was in an organization where it was a, just, I don't, you've probably experienced it it's the well this is the process and we need to stick to the process and it's very and and it's a HR thing where you know they're protecting the they're they're protecting the business themselves. They're not not particularly going down and saying, "John, how are you today?" Or mm. Mary, what you know? Let's let's have a coffee and a chat because it doesn't mm. need to be formalised. It doesn't need to be a set written discussion or anything like that. You're literally just checking in, and they could tell you because we don't know what's going on after five p.m. And they could mm. tell you and, and be open, honest and transparent, which I think good leaders are. And if you're not doing that and you're you, you've you should never assume at all what's mm. going on. And in sales, it's a massive thing because as we seen in Dirty Dancing, you know, the, 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 you should, she shouldn't have assumed that she didn't have the money to pay for the clothes. Mitsuki and they yeah. came back, boom. But. I think that is, and, and that is something, I'm so glad you say that because I've been banging this drum for, for years where it's like you need to have that conversation with that person because, mm -hmm. you know, I've had conversations where it's like, right, what's what's going on? Why why you maybe not hit your sales target for the, the week or the month or whatever the, the target mm -hmm. is? And they'll turn around and they'll tell you something that you were completely not expecting yeah that to be the case it's not that like you said they're being lazy it could be that someone in their family's passed away or you know there's been a change in the family circumstances or whatever that may be mm. and mm. i find it so infuriating really mm. infuriating when i've seen it happen where people have been totally just not not respected and i think that comes down to it as well i think there's a if you're not managed correctly from senior management there's this sort of people do get a little bit power hungry unfortunately i think it's just a human behavior when you've maybe not been shown the right behaviors you know it's how i look at yeah. it it's like baking a cake but you've 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 only got half the, the page of the instructions yeah and they yeah. don't know how to bake that cake to its fullest because they've only got half yeah. the page um but yeah, it few dates me, but I'm glad we're on the same page for that. See, both pages are coming together. Didn't even mean that Absolutely. analogy, but um, it's going to be a fantastic cake. But um, yeah. the, the next one, and, and like we said, you, you sort of already said it. So hmm. the, the key leadership traits for success, you know, listening, I would say, is, is key. 
empathy what what's your your thing on that because that's really big at the moment um oh yeah is, is, is empathy. And, I think, and i think this is what we've been talking about um jack it's about understanding people um i'm a great believer that um you know leaders need to understand themselves um they need to be able to manage their own emotions um and stay calm um and you know i think that's what people like richard and, and joel were like um whereas other people are so focused on the fast on the, on the task and not not the human and or then even worse not managing their own emotions you know they're raising their voices they're like why hasn't this been done um without that empathy that you know you have articulated very well when you said they're not getting the sales which is the task you know bring in the numbers but what's going on for this person and yes we should have empathy look at what we've all just been through the last couple of years people have had to yeah. deal with some very difficult situations and we should be empathetic about that um, that will be far more engaging for people because um, leaders need to be human. Um, and unfortunately, what happens when the senior leaders are just focused on the task or finding the problems or, you know, just focused on fixing what's wrong instead of showing some empathy for people working in very difficult circumstances. Actually, what you're doing is you're making their productivity worse. Because yep. now they're getting very anxious that you're just focused on the task, you're just focused on my numbers, you're just focused on my output. Um, you haven't asked me, you don't seem to care. All you're interested in is, and I witnessed this at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, where employees in one organization, the leaders, all they're interested in is making money, they're just interested in you know making opportunities because some businesses have done well, well from the pandem pandemic yeah. and it's always the case you know some businesses do well in wars and what have you and others really suffer um so leaders do have to be empathetic absolutely they have to have self-control um they need to show that they can manage their emotions first. Because if most senior leaders don't do that, then the middle managers don't do that. And then everybody up the chain is just focused on numbers or tasks or productivity without understanding that so many organizations rely on human beings. Yeah. And, and without them, they've not really got a lot. You know. Yeah, some businesses, yeah, rely, depending on the sector you're in, yeah, it's all about people. Yeah, mm. maybe not, yeah, not, not all the sector, but I think, obviously, let's yeah. be honest, 99%, I would say, still, you know, the robots haven't taken over just yet, but, um, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, they're still dependent, you know, it's still, yeah, I think empathy is, is such a crucial thing. And that sort of, you know, bring, brings, it, brings me on to the next question, because... I think, you know, and I said this uh, to to Michael, where, you know, you get in this rabbit hole at times, and and I think we're we're all probably guilty of it occasionally, where you you start just watching YouTube video after YouTube video, and I think mm. development, you know, you can get that much now, and on YouTube and free videos or seminars or all this type of stuff, mm. which is really helpful. Um, you know, minds, I would say, like Simon Sinek, he. He's mm -hmm. massive, like the, you know, mm -hmm. very different to maybe like Gary V, who is more entrepreneurial. Probably, I would mm -hmm. say they're very different leaders, hundred mm -hmm. percent. Um, mm -hmm. I I think the, the more senior you get, I think Simon Sinek probably resonates a lot more. I think if you're in mm -hmm. your early career, Gary V is probably where you would go to, you know, and. Yeah there's others you know like for sales Mike Wingberg is a big one for me and then mm -hmm. you look at I think I mentioned that previously in the last podcast with you know about Barack Obama in the situation room you know someone who takes their time about decisions and doesn't just react to everything 
And yeah. I think that's something because I've, I've been guilty in the past myself where you maybe react to a situation before you've sat there and thought about it and go, right, actually, this isn't that big a deal. Like, we, we just need to do X, Y, Z. Let's get the message out. Let's make sure everyone's on board. Make sure they understand why. And then move on. Where I think if you are reactive, and, and I've seen it, and it's such a, like you say, that goes into that sort of very toxic environment where it's always happening. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know who, is there anyone that, that you follow that you've you've seen that you, you, you binge watch, maybe not binge watch, because <laughs> I know you're very busy, Julie. So maybe binge watch uh, isn't the I, best um, phrase. I'm I'm maybe a little bit old fashioned in this regard as well. Um, I read a lot. My house is overtaken by my books. Um, but who who have I followed over the years? I think initially Daniel Goldman, um, you know, who gave us emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, because for me that is key you know, for any leader, for all the reasons we have been discussing. Um, So his original book, his follow-up book, Primal Leadership. Um, What what I tend to do is I tend to follow different people at different times, depending what is the emerging um, trends or data or discoveries, Um, you know, and I would still recommend Daniel Goleman's book, primal leadership now I, I think I can't remember when it uh, was first published uh, John Cotter um, because for me he's the guru on change on cultures on performance management um, and in the role that I'm in now where I'm actually designing learning programs I will always research whilst I'm designing you know what's the new thinking what's the latest thinking on these subjects but for people that want something short and sharp people like um Goldman and Cotter um you know will publish these short HR uh, sorry these Harvard Business Reviews you know there's a there's a six seven page read that are always really informative whether it's his top 10 findings on change if it's uh, Daniel Goleman so, uh, sorry um, Cotter or whether it's you know key leadership competencies um, or how to um, Daniel Goleman did a really good one um, that I, I can still see the picture now the golf bag um, and the analogy was um, Leaders have to have the emotional intelligence to know how to respond to different situations. So, you know, which club are you going to take out yeah. of the bag? Um, so those great kind analogy. Of, yeah, those kind of things really stick with me. Um, then there's Kuzas and Posner. Kuzas and Posner, not sure I'm uh, pronouncing that right. Uh, the Leadership Challenge. Um, more recently, there is an English coach um, Radcliffe, Stephen Radcliffe, um, and this is a, a much shorter read on leadership, plain and simple, uh, you know, and the message is really clear. It's about future, it's about engagement, and it's about delivery. But it's it's a thin book, but the reason I like it is because it's got exercises in it where you can coach yourself as a leader. So you're not only reading the theory, but you've got an opportunity to almost do a a self-assessment and and plan. Yeah. And um, so so there's lots of lots of people I could go on, you know, Timothy Galway. um, He's the guy that came up with the inner voice. So, you know, there's a voice on our shoulder that is telling us you can't do this. You're not capable. You haven't got the experience. And this is the thing that stops us. Uh, he started in sports, um, but he's gone into the business world. So he's he's done. Um, could have a whole sort of podcast on that, couldn't yeah, we? Imposter syndrome, exactly. like it's such a big thing. So, I mean, yeah. I've been, you know, speaking to people and different organisations about, you know, the, the one of the really. I think it comes for the event that you're facilitating for us when they're maybe moving into their first leadership role. And the feedback from even some of the managers is they, they just feel like they can't do it. And that's a really yeah. difficult, you know, from a sales point of view, it's really difficult to try and turn that one around because if someone feels that in their own 
belief of no, no, I'm not ready, and you know, and they could be doing the role for ten years, and they still don't think that they're ready to to take on more responsibility. Must be a, a horrible place to be when they, yeah. they do have the capability. They just need that yeah. push, and I think you know yeah. that's where you know a lot of what we've said today. If you have that from someone that you report into who has a lot of the good traits, I think um, that narrows down imposter syndrome, or it, it definitely helps. It's not; it's never going to eradicate it because that's obviously yourself being. But I think uh, that could be that could be a conversation for another day because that's such a big, big topic. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, yeah. at this point in time. It is, but it's another great leadership trait. You've just reminded me, Jack, those people that I mentioned believed in me and any good coach or any good leader will believe in the people they want to develop and grow um, and do something to show that. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you're if you're already doing everything that we've said, that push is so much easier because you can have that fairly open conversation going, no, no, like you're, smashing it you're you're really successful you're whatever their kpis are you've hit them you know you're a good yeah. team member i think this is your time to to make that next step up and you'll probably have a little yeah. bit of a to and fro one but they'll, they'll be able to buy into the idea more it's like what maybe you yeah. said earlier on about that non-exec position on the board you know offering mm. it to you that way mm. as a mm. development opportunity yeah. Because everyone, yeah. when you go into a new role, it's always daunting. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I think I mentioned that, that Steve Ridgway recognised and used people's strengths. And as a leader, we can very easily ask, so what are your strengths? And how can you leverage those strengths to deal with the situation that's facing you now? Just, you know, a simple kind of coaching or mentoring type of question. But that's what good leaders do. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I agreed with, with everything that you, you said there. Um, so uh, we, we, I think it's been a, been a really enjoyable discussion. Obviously, one thing that we, we've mentioned briefly already, you're facilitating our event in the UK, our Manager mm-hmm. to Leadership Workshop, which I'm really, really excited about. Been looking forward to this for the however, <laughs> for however many months it's, it's taken us to get here, but we, we're here now. It's in next month, the 22nd and 23rd of February. I'll be with Julie uh-huh. for the two days. Um, some of the topics that you're going to go into, Julie, obviously I know this isn't everything, but you know, emotional uh-huh. intelligence, we've already discussed. It's something that you, uh-huh. if, you, if you listen to this, you definitely know it's, it's a big topic. Um, how to master, obviously, successfully change in strategic management, something that you're very, very accustomed to. Um, building stakeholder um, engagement and management tools effectively and then developing resilience during times of change where you where you actually are going to come out of that successfully <laughs> we've had a big tough two years so um, I think there'll be a lot of people that are very resilient at this point in time but still good to understand how you develop that and obviously these are just a couple of the topics that you're going to be going through what what would you say if, if you've never been to a workshop before, if you've never been to a training session externally, because I know a lot of people will do in set internal training sessions, but if you're coming to this, but is a sort of open mind, what would you say is some of the tools that they, you, you need to come with to, to make it successful so they can implement it into their sort of day-to-day career? Mm, yeah, I... Th- I think as we've discussed, people are all in different situations, uh, different levels or types of experience. Um, So what I love about this program is it does cover all those things that you said, Jack. And in my experience, you know, pick the ones, but just pick three or four that really resonate with you and what you think you need now or your business needs now. We will be developing a personal development plan, which I think is important um, because as we know very often, we go on these training programs for a couple of days, we go back to work and we just get sucked into the day to day. So we will spend some time thinking about 
what are your key goals? You know, if we're looking at emotional intelligence or making the right decisions and, you know, exploring neuro, neuroscience and the intuition of and trusting your inst instincts in, in your decision making, you know, if you've been given some feedback, for example, or you procrastinate quite a bit or you're a bit slow in decision making come with that feedback if you can so and understand what the challenges or goals are for you your role your business and then it will be easier for you to identify what you want to focus on following the two days and you will go away with a development plan I will be encouraging people throughout the two days to think about the opportunities that are coming up where they can put something into practice or where yep. they can tr try out some of the learning, some of the theory, um, because otherwise there is the danger. They'll just go back to their day to day. And we know that if you leave it too long, it's going to be more difficult for you to practice. And it's like anything. It's like learning to ride a bike, learning to drive a car, learning to be a leader is the same. We have to practice. And when yep. we practice, we, we become more perfect so have an idea of what your challenges are any feedback you've had what the opportunities are we'll help you with the development plan and the idea is then you can go away and put it into practice and be be an absolute fantastic leader be driving a car like f like what's his name lewis hamilton own your you own know? success yeah get yeah. that plan look for the opportunities and own your own success yeah, exactly. That's what we've been saying on a lot of the market and it's time to obviously own your career and regardless of the situation that we're in, leaving, whatever that may be, it's, it's time obviously for, for a lot of people to, to own it and, and make sure that you've got the plan for you because otherwise, unfortunately, in a lot of businesses, your, your career will get sort of taken their direction and maybe not the way that you want it to go. So, Julie, it's been fantastic speaking with you. We've went a little bit over um i think you know it, it was always going to happen i ramble too much um but it's been a really really i really enjoyed this thanks for taking the time out to do it i know my pleasure really enjoyed it too. really really rammed but have a great day um we'll put some details on uh, for the event on uh, linkedin spotify all the channels but julie fantastic look forward to seeing you on the 22nd and 23rd of february thank you Thank you, Jack. Bye. What an episode that was. Great to have Julie on. Some really, really interesting stories in there as well. So if you're wanting to learn more, you can visit ownyoursuccess.co.uk. Julie's in the Manager to Leader next month, virtually in the UK. If you want to have a look at any of our other courses for Australia, UK, have a look, get in touch. If you have any questions, let us know. We're here to help. Anyway, next week, we'll have hopefully another one coming out and a really, really good guest. Like I said earlier in that little snippet, Candy will be joining us. She's worked in some amazing companies and hopefully has you know some insight into how you can up and elevate your career. You never know, Richard might be on soon enough, but for the time being, have a great one. Thanks for listening.